Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences. So there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews. So you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Mixed martial arts. Mixed martial arts. How do we like our martial arts? We like them mixed! Yes, we do. And there's just one more stop for the UFC on the road to UFC 285. And they don't have to travel very far from home base. In fact, they're right at home base, back at the UFC Apex for UFC Vegas 70, featuring a light heavyweight headliner. The return of a middleweight many believe is the next big thing, taking on a very game fighter, looking to make his own move up the ranks. And the return of a fighter who looked to be well underway to becoming a UFC champion, only to be forced to sit on the sidelines for almost four years. As welcome you to the live UFC Vegas 70 preview show here at MMAfighting.com. I am Mike Heck, happy to be joined by the wonderful wordsmith himself, Mr. Shaheen Alshadi. Hello, sir. What's going on, guys? And Mr. No Gray Area, takes that are just so spicy. Woo! Mr. Chad Nishu. Fight week, yeah! Oh my goodness, guys, this card's so good. Casey got me hyped up in the pre-show. Let's go. Hey, Jed, we're down to eleven fights. I mean, if we lost like six more, that would be great. (laughs) (laughs) We can get this to a tidy five. (laughs) This would be a pretty good event. Yes, over the last forty-eight hours, we lost Jose Johnson versus Garrett Armfield, and then. Uh, Brendan Fitzgerald announced at the weigh-ins that Haley Cowan versus Island Perez no longer happening. So we are at a nice tight 11 fights. I'm actually a little bummed we lost the Jose Johnson fight. Not because that fight, like, I super cared, but I did have a bet on Jose Johnson because he's, like, a foot taller (laughs) than Armfield. And so it was just going to be really funny to watch that fight happen. So... A little fight circus for us in the UFC. (laughs) Well, there you go. But gentlemen, it is great to have you here. Shaheen, we'll start with you because, look, we're we're just being honest here. Most people are eyeballing next Saturday's pay-per-view, the return of John Jones, making his heavyweight debut against Cyril Ghosn. We have this go-home show, UFC Vegas 70, main event Nikita Krylov versus Ryan Spann. Krylov looking to make it three straight. Spann looking to do the same, but technically this would be looking for his second straight win since, as he put it, 
actually training and giving a full effort. So thoughts on this main event at 205 pounds. Um, oh, wow. My, my internet suddenly got really bad. That's great. Uh, that's clutch. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's an apex main event. Uh, I'll say that it's it's not. I can understand why this is the main event, right? Because this is the full chaos clause in effect. We know what we're gonna get with this matchup. We're gonna get fireworks. We're gonna get something very explosive and probably ending very quickly. Like that's Nikita Krylov. Anytime he goes into a fight, you just can expect the weirdest, wildest thing possible. Uh, and then Ryan Spann. I mean, he's a, he's a true get or get got fighter, and especially now since apparently he tries now. So that's really helpful as well. Uh, so ultimately, like I, I can understand why this is the main event, right? Like this is just going to be a very fun fight. It would be incredible, frankly, if this isn't just a, a good fight to watch, an entertaining fight. But ultimately, that's not the draw of this card for me, right? Because th- for whatever this main event is, there are two, in my eyes at least, two future UFC champions on this card, and they and neither of them are, are the light heavyweights who are headlining this. We're talking about Andre Muniz and Tatiana Suarez. That's the appeal of this card for me, is the return of Tatiana Suarez and the continued climb up this middleweight division for Andre Muniz, who is basically Jacare 2.0. Uh, I am here for that. So that if, this weekend, that's what I'm tuning, tuning into. Yes, and of course, we'll discuss both those fights. But Jed, both these guys been sort of up and down over their last six or seven fights. Both have two straight wins. Krylov, 30. Span, 31. Both seem to be catching their stride in their athletic primes. Who do you think actually has more momentum heading into this fight? And who has more to prove tomorrow between these two gentlemen? I think Ryan Span has to have more more momentum, right? And we talked about this on Between the Links yesterday. And afterwards, I thought about it even more. I was like, honestly, these two dudes really are the light heavyweightiest light <laughs> heavyweights. Like they they win a few, they lose a few. Sometimes they look good. Sometimes they inexplicably get tapped out by Paul Craig. Any any number of things sort of happen with these guys. Uh, I think you got to go with Ryan Spann. I mean, but that's sort of Ryan Spann's whole MO, right? Like he's when he's winning, he's got momentum. And then he takes all that momentum and just dives off a cliff like a limb, like a lemming. Like it's just he he he's all gas, no brakes. This man has no middle ground. And that's sort of also Nikita Krylov. But he's. I don't know. It's this is a weird fight. I have no real idea what's going to happen. If Ryan Spann is like not bullshitting us, and th- he's actually trying now, and he had in his entire career before, one, I love that. I love that so much. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's it speaks to what a carnival sport this is. <laughs> like ah, I don't know. I just I just did it, and I was like pretty good at it, and now here I am ostensibly in the best organization in the world and i'm still not trying it's amazing i love this sport can you i can't wait for 30 years from now when mma gets real people in it we're gonna have great great fighters in that day and age until then we get guys like ryan spin who have some talent and and don't make an effort and he might lose nikita krylov who has he's not a good athlete but boy does nikita krylov try hard and and this is this is a fundamental <laughs> battle, guys. I don't think we're recognizing this for what it is. This is a battle of a man with limited talent who is going to work his ass off, and a man with lots of talent who will not work at all. And we're going to see which of these two things wins out. This is epic stuff, and I think we're selling it short by not appreciating the narratives at play here. Jed, I think you just bumped the ratings up. 
I think you just got like 30 I did the best I could, man. Made event. That was pretty that was incredible. Good. That was well unbelievable. Done. What do you, I mean, Shaheen, who do you think actually needs this win more? Could either of these fighters with a good performance get a bit of a promotional push with the win? Like, are we, are there like high stakes involved? I know we got two ranked guys and perhaps the light heavyweightiest light heavyweight title is on the line between these two guys, but can either guy like gain a lot here outside of just getting a win in the second paycheck and maybe getting a slot or two higher in the rankings? God, a, a show or two ago, I had, I had proposed some sort of like new league that we build with, with some rich benefactor where we give the legends come retiring in the sport. We give them fights. They're going to win against cans, but we also put like weird fake belts on the line for every fight. Why can't we just get that? I want the light heavyweightiest light heavyweight belt on the line for this because it feels perfect. I love the way Jed laid that out, laid that out there. Like that's promotion, right? That's promotion done well. How, who's going to defend the light heavyweightiest title? Uh, who needs it more is an interesting question, right? Because I think both men need it pretty significantly, right? Like both are sort of on that pre same precipice where you we we view them one way, but if you do look at their resumes, like. Honestly, the resumes are both kind of sneaky good. Like you can sort of excuse the losses for Nikita Krylov. He has he has a few more than Ryan Spann in the UFC, but you can excuse them, right? Like Jan Bakovitz right before Jan was about to be champ, Glover Teixeira right before Glover was about to be champ, Magomed and Kalayev, and then Paul Craig, who just seems to beat people he shouldn't beat. Like that's that's not a, a bad run through by any stretch of the word, imagination. And then Ryan Spann, same thing, right? Like getting knocked out by Johnny Walker and choked out by Anthony Smith. Like that's not bad when it comes to nine UFC fights being seven and two. Like again, very sneaky, good resumes. I think both are on that same precipice where a win in a, in a situation like this, where you're the main event and this should be probably be a very fun fight again, kind of can bump you up into that conversation where all of a sudden we've been talking for a while about how wide open 205 is. And the fact that, Anything kind of happened in this division? I mean, we saw Jamal Hill go from like number 10 to number two or number one all of a sudden in our rankings, basically overnight. So anything kind of happened. I think a win puts either of those guys in that conversation with the same type of level of like a Johnny Walker conversation now where you're maybe one fight away, maybe you're two fights away from fighting somebody that actually matters and, and someone who can get you somewhere in this division. So who needs it more? I think they both need it, frankly. Jed, both guys can finish. Both guys have been finished a few times as well. Both in both right now in their respective careers appear to be on the trying train. And and I feel like we're on the same page with this one. Like if this one ends really quick, I feel like the headline will be MA fighting reacts to Ryan Spann's quick knockout. But if we get into three, four or five championship rounds, I feel like the narrative changes to Nikita Krylov just kind of beats the hell out of Ryan Spann. I think Krause is better equipped for the later rounds. Do you feel the same or do you look at things a little bit differently? Oh, I mean, he's, he's better equipped for the later rounds, but this isn't going past three. Like this thing is that neither of these dudes go to the scorecards almost at all. Like uh, this is a five round fight in name only because we're not getting into rounds four and five. Either Spann's going to knock him out or hit him with the gilly or Krylov's just going to put a pace on him and Span's going to fold. And it's like, this. there are two outcomes happening here. Uh, I do disagree with Sean, though. Neither of these dudes need this. This is light heavyweight. The rules don't apply to 205. Did you, without looking, do you know where Nikita Krylov is currently ranked in the UFC's rankings? Someone just put it on the chat, so I do know. Oh, did they? That's brutal, because he is number six. 
Number six is up. Like I, I would have said twelve. If, like I was like, <laughs> Ryan Spann's eight. Like it's because he knocked out the husk of Dominic Reyes. He's eight. Like if Spann wins this, he's probably going to be a top five light heavyweight. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. The winner of this is. Like Anthony Smith is fighting Johnny Walker, like he's fighting back because light heavyweight's in a bit of a cluster. But like the winner of this can can just realistically call out Jan Blahovich for a title fight next. Like that's a very reasonable thing that could happen. So neither of them need it because frankly the loser of this is still a top ten light heavyweight according to the UFC. So it's fine. You can stay relevant in this division until you're forty seven. Just look at Glover. They're both doing okay. But the winner of this is like one fight away from a title shot. Burn this division to the ground. <laughs> uh, they're both also well. like only they're again, they're only like 30 years old, right? Like this is a division. Oh, full yeah, of they're here forever. Like they got a long way to go. <laughs> they're gonna be doing this for another They're not even years. in their primes yet. And and Krillov's been fighting for like 15 years. Like <laughs> We're golden. Neither of them need this. They, if you just hang around long enough, this is the same. We could have this exact same conversation about Jan Blahovich like seven years ago. It was like, ah, he's sort of a top 15 dude because his weight class is trash. And if he just hangs around for long enough, he'll get a title fight. And look what happened. He did. That's how it went. Like, they're fine if they lose this. Just keep being here. The best ability is availability, and nowhere is that more true than women's bantamweight and men's light heavyweight, baby. <laughs> oh, man. Shane, right now Nikita Krylov is the minus 170 favorite. The comeback on Ryan Spann is plus 140. I do feel like this will be fun while Ashaheen, who gets this one done? Do the odds makers know that Ryan's trying now, though? Like, are they, they putting, are they taking that into I, account? Because I, I mean, think that's, that's I think that's baked into bit. the price. Yeah, man, I don't know. I think I'm, that's I'm baked into by the price. Uh, I'll go Span because I think Span's on a, on a nice run right now. Again, sneaky good resume in the UFC seven and two. Like that's not bad at, by any stretch of the imagination. And the two he loses, I think those could anybody can get knocked out by Johnny Walker. Uh, I'll go Ryan Span. I don't feel super strong about it. I think, the, again, the full chaos clause is going to be in effect for this fight for however long it lasts. It's it's a total coin flip, but I'll go Ryan Span. I feel good about that. Jed, what say you? I'm going Ryan Span largely because, well, one, uh, I if he's trying, he should win. <laughs> but uh, Krylov just is not a man who cares too much about his own health. Uh, and... Ryan Spann's a pretty dangerous dude to be super reckless against. So uh, this is actually a really fun fight. Like for whatever I've said about it, I this is a fight that I will be excited to go and like watch it happen. I'm not fully. I wouldn't be. That's <laughs> a glowing endorsement. Well, look, I mean, come on. Like a lot of other fights in this card, I am not excited to see happen. We're going to talk about a couple of them coming up. <laughs> yeah, we're going to put the frosting on the cake here, and that's pretty much it. But, yeah, I wouldn't be confident either way. I, I think this one actually probably could be lined a little bit closer, but it's not too far off. If I were a betting man, I'd be betting on Ryan Span because of the perceived extra value, at least in my eyes. But, you know, just a straight pick. I'll take a shot on Kryloff, weathering the storm. The spike gets pushed into the second, early third, and then – 
gets a takedown against a tired Ryan Span, gets a choke of some kind, maybe a submission does, win. But, it but does Ryan Span even get Spann. tired now? Does Ryan Spain even get tired anymore? If now he's trying, maybe he's actually doing cardio. Who knows? But maybe he's like really, really trying and he will really, really try for like seven minutes until his body just can't try any longer and he just gets tired. I mean, I think that's frankly a really good way to fight. Just know your (laughs) limits, you know? I got seven minutes in me. I'm going to give you hell for seven. If you make it to eight, we're done here. And that's okay. It's a good way to go about it. It's the Zabit corollary, only he did it for 10. Zabit had 10 good minutes in him. And then that we were done. <laughs> well, Jed, uh, Shaheen mentioned his name earlier, but Andre Muniz is back. Co-main event, first fight since International Fight Week. I think you and I both have him ranked number six in our rankings. He faces Brennan Allen, who has looked really good as of late. A guy who has a skill set that if he can get on a roll and things come together, he could do some damage at 185 pounds. How excited are you about the return of Andre Muniz and this being the matchup, which, by the way, we threw out the light heavyweightiest heavyweight title. This is for the undisputed middleweightiest middleweight title since Brendan Allen took that strap off of Christoph Jocko. I dispute this. We talked about it yesterday. I just don't think... If Andre Muniz isn't a middleweighty middleweight, he's just good. No, yeah. <laughs> like he's he's just good. So if he beats Brendan Allen, I don't think he could be the middleweightiest middleweight. It just we, then then Allen gets to defend the belt against. I don't you know who because uh, we can't run it back with Jocko. Like you got to let that rematch build. You know, uh, I don't know who you do it, but when when Muniz wins, he will just be middleweight contender Andre Muniz, not the middleweightiest middleweight uh it was dope i honestly don't really remember the uriah hall fight all that much uh and it feels like it's been a lifetime since i've seen andre moody's fight so it would be cooler if he was fighting somebody who was going to get him close to the title but i suspect pretty strongly that a lot of those names above him are not um too antsy to fight andre moody's because this man broke jacare's arm and if you could break jacare's arm I got to say, you got a real good chance of like breaking Jared Cannonier's arm. (laughs) So uh, he's awesome. I hope he gets to fight for a title one day. Uh, I would pick him to beat the current champion, but middleweight's weird right now because of that. But yeah, he's dope. Uh, I'm excited to see him back against a guy who's fun. Brendan Allen is very fun. This fight will also be fun. Yeah. And look, if Andre wins the middleweightiest middleweight title, he could just throw it in the trash. He could just put it in his mantle and retire it forever. Or he could just hand it right back to Brendan Allen. He seems like a nice giving guy. He'll take the higher ranking spot and no, Brendan can have the middleweight. What's Kelvin Gastelum title. doing? What's Kelvin Gastelum doing? He's fighting, uh, like- he's fight, he's fighting Chris Curtis. Oh, that feels like a middleweighty. Vacant middleweightiest middleweight title. No, that's no, a no. pretty middleweighty middleweight fight. Chris Curtis does not belong in that conversation. Come on. Chris Curtis is pretty middleweighty. If you watch that man fight, like mm. I would push he's, back. On like that. he's yeah. Like what is what is middleweighty? Like good at things but not great at anything feels like the definition of middle. It's like middle. It is the middle. It's like not that athletic, but you know, not huge. Not like heavyweight. I feel like it's more of a there. I mean, Chris Curtis doesn't have the same vibe as Christoph Jocko because no one does. Christoph Jocko is the undisputed goat of middleweight hood. But Kelvin Gastelum, Chris Curtis just hanging around that like middleweighty part feels okay to me. 
Fair enough. It's it's funny that Uriah Hall has already well, Jack Hermanson and fought. Jack's a good there one too. Go. Yeah, uh, that feels. Jack Hermanson's pretty middleweighty. Yeah, Andre Muniz back for the first time since July second of last year. Uriah Hall has already switched combat sports and boxed a former NFL running back in that same amount of time. Just to give you some sort as of timeline of how long it has been, as one would do. Uh, but Shaheen, I mean, it's a weird sport Andre, we do, guys. <laughs> it is. But Andre Muniz is coming back. Gets uh, a little bit of a head start on Drickus Duplessis. A week ahead of uh, good old DDP is fighting Derek Brunson next week. Taking on Brennan Allen. I feel like when we're talking about up-and-coming 85ers right now, it's a two-horse race. It's who's going to get there first, Muniz or DDP. How excited are you for this matchup? It's He's got to fight somebody, and Brennan Allen just happened to say yes. And I don't feel like a lot of guys ranked above Andre Muniz were clicking that pen to, to sign the dotted line. Yeah, and I will say, I think one person we're leaving out of this middleweighty conversation is the king of all the middleweighties, which is Marvin Vittori. Like, I feel like oh. he has to have some sort of say in this whole conversation. No, he's sort of the king he's a, of this ladder. He's ascended. He is ascended to Valhalla of middleweight. No, he, he's like, like he's, the Shang Tsung on the, on the Mortal Kombat totem pole. Like, yeah. he's up there. He's, 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 the, he's, he's, the he's the end boss, though. You can't yeah. just get to him. Like, you gotta, he's at the end of the game. He is the middleweighty. Uh, yeah, but I mean, Andre Muniz to me, man, like I to, to go back to what we should be talking about. Uh, it's unfortunate to me that this is the fight that we're getting for Andre Muniz because this feels like the exact same. Like this actually just kind of feels like a step down, frankly, from where he already was. Like it's if, if nothing else, it's a lateral step. And I, it, it'd be one thing if he's a very busy man who has been, you know, fighting pretty consistently, but he's not fighting nearly enough to be taking lateral, lateral steps in my eyes. Like. I know the, this isn't the type of a fighter you, the UFC will usually push pretty pretty quickly up the ladder. Like this is the type of Benil Daryush guy who's going to have to take the slow road if he wants to get to the belt. But Andre Muniz to me is probably already like a top five middleweight. If if not, like I think he could compete with the top three. I think he would give Izzy and Alex both hell of fights. Robert's a little bit tougher of a matchup, but I think just style wise, like he would give both those dudes pretty tough fights. I, I have so much confidence confidence and belief in Andre Muniz and the potential this man has and just what he can become here at 185 if he gets the right path and and, and Brendan Allen to me for as you know fun of a fighter as Brendan Allen is and he still has a lot of potential he 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 Andre Muniz should be fighting more upwards than this but maybe this is the fight that he needs to sort of reintegrate himself back into the division as you said Jed it's been a long time since we've seen him it's been almost a year at this point uh that's real unfortunate for a person who I think a lot of us feel like he's probably the top prospect in this division. Uh, so hopefully he, this is sort of the the one that can launch him, leapfrog him into that conversation where we're talking about real, actual, you know, main type of fights with Andre Muniz. Because again, I have so much poten- uh, belief in this man's potential. You go out there and you break Jacare's arm, even if it's an old man Jacare, that is, you cannot overstate how impressive that is. This demand to me is Jacare 2.0 in this division. And I just can't wait till he's in the, the real conversation rather than the, this sort of thing. Oh, don't put that. Don't put that evil on him. Jacare 2.0 never fought for the belt. <laughs> Jacare never fought for the belt. We, he needs That's- to be something better. Mm, but he, I mean, he was a strike force champ. Like he had good opportunities. He just got to the UFC a little late and he was kind of a little old by the time he got to the UFC. And the middleweight division was dumb, and which and is what it currently is. And it's very, it's currently very dumb, and that's why Muniz is fighting unranked Brendan Allen, and DDP is getting Derek Brunson, and like moving to number five. This is 
he I I hate the Jacques Ray comparison because it's really apt and might be apt in ways that are very unfortunate for us all. Judd, do you agree that like look, in terms of ranking and name value, Brennan Allen is a step back from Uriah Hall, but in terms of like skill set and who the better fighter is, I feel like Brendan is a type is is a better fight to answer more questions about Andrew Muniz than the Uriah Hall one. At least to me, I feel like this is a tougher fight than the Uriah one in, in that sense. If we're trying to just build him up, maybe not again in ranking and name value, but in terms of competition, I I don't think this is a step down in terms of competition. Mm, I don't know. I mean, it's really hard. Brendan Allen certainly a more consistent fighter than Uriah Hall, but Uriah Hall is. Uh, a, a wild card or at least ha- has been through his career. I mean, dude floored Gegard Mousasi when Gegard was probably at the best that he has ever been. So uh, I don't – this fight doesn't appeal to me too much on the merits. I mean, it's a, it's a quality fight. Brendan Allen's a fine fighter. I think the things that Brendan Allen is best at, uh, uh, like I, I think Brendan Allen is is a good grappler and that's like where he makes a lot of hay. Uh, he's probably probably a better striker than Andre Muniz, but I kind of just don't think that matters. Uh, and it's like, okay, well, you can't really play on the ground with Andre Muniz. That that just isn't isn't a path to victory here. So it kind of feels like we're, we're learning the same lessons, uh, albeit maybe Brendan Allen's a little more consistent. Yeah, I to me, I I would prefer to see him face somebody else, somebody who. Okay, like Derek, honestly, Derek Brunson would have been a very fun one. Like, what happens if you can't, Andre Muniz, if you can't get your wrestling going at all? Or if you just get taken down repeatedly? Like, how, how do you fight in these circumstances? I don't think that's what we're looking at here. Uh, so, but I'm happy to watch the man work. Yeah. He's going to fight either Jack or Manson or a guy like Sean Strickland after this fight. So I think he's going to get a, a step up in ranking and, and name after this. But, uh, Anyone picking Brennan Allen here, gentlemen? No. No way. Anyone picking Andre Muniz by finish? I am. I am. I am. I, li- I, think he, I like Brennan I think Allen. He I think he's lessons. really tough. I think yeah. he learned some lessons from the Uriah Hall fight where he more or less spent 15 minutes just hunting for a submission. And I think he got sort of like this is a step backwards because of that. I think the UFC doesn't sort of take look, look kindly upon a performance like that. I think he probably learned some lessons from that. Yeah, I think Brendan Allen uh, is just a different kind of grappler than than Uriah Hall. Um, I don't even know about the lessons learned. I hope he did because you can't just play backpack and try. Like that's just not – that's like the biggest issue with like Muhammad Makayev and Mackenzie Dern just playing sub games instead of punish games. Uh, but I also just think Brendan Allen will be far more willing to put himself in danger to pursue escapes than Uriah Hall was, which will – not work out for him in the slightest. So uh, I think Andre Muniz gets to finish. It's a really good point. I'm picking decision. I think this fight's going to be fun. Uh, I think Muniz gets it done, but I do think Allen's going to test him a little bit more than the betting line suggests and most people suggest, but that's why they fight. I could be dead wrong. Muniz could just go out there and club and sub him and get him out of there real quick. But let's talk about the return of Tatiana Suarez Shaheen. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. 
Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the icon of vacations. Icon of the seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. By the time this woman fights tomorrow, it will be 1,358 days from the Nina Nunez fight. And good she's been is that a lot? Rapid. That seems like a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot of days. I wasn't even working for MA fighting by the time she last fought. I was like a year away from that happening. So that just tells you how long ago that was. But she's she didn't have a kid. She yeah. didn't even kinda have a kid. Like well, that wasn't even in the ballpark of a kid. Yeah. I mean, there was no pandemic. There's, there, there's nothing. I mean, so much, so much has changed. We could do this all day long, but this is the woman who's just been ravaged by bad luck and injury after injury. And now she's back 125 against Montana De La Rosa Shaheen. I think the matchmaking here is absolutely spectacular because Montana De La Rosa has zero Fs to give. She's going to go right after Tatiana Suarez. She doesn't care who she is. She ain't afraid of her. She's going to get it. She's going to go in there and she's going to try her hardest to get a win. It's probably not going to work out too well for her, but she's going to get go after Tatiana. She ain't going to be scared at all. So I think this is perfect matchmaking. 1,358 days, Shaheen. Tatiana Suarez finally coming back. Love this matchmaking. Where are we at with this? A little more than 24 hours away from it. God, that's so many days. When you when you contextualize that like that, it's just crazy, man. You're right. That's pre-pandemic. I think that's like two John Jones arrests ago. Like, God, it's a long time, man. It's a really long time. I like the matchmaking. I like that you almost like smirked, Mike. You couldn't hold it back when you were like, she's going to try really hard because I'm sure she is. Uh, but I feel like we we all know sort of what this is, right? Like this is a warm-up fight like this is a comeback fight to hey let's get your feet wet a little bit and before we throw you into the deep end with the sharks because tatiana suarez before she left us before we had this long layoff i don't i I don't think there were what two or three women in this game that people were high on or more high on than than tatiana suarez like she was getting called the female habib she was getting called all sorts of just like everyone was prognosticating her to be a future ufc champion and if you just go back and watch what she did to carla esparza i was there that day i think it was in i think that was dallas that was probably the darren till card maybe uh with with tyron woodley that that was unbelievable to watch she took carla at her own game and destroyed her with it like super surpassed her on a on a completely different level it was we always hear there's levels to this she was like four levels above carla when it came to the wrestling and ground and pound and just all of that like it was a masterful performance over a woman who eventually went back to regain her title using that strategy more or less we're not going to talk about the rose fight uh so tatiana suarez to me if if i i picked her on one of our shows earlier this year to be 
uh, someone who's going to be a champion by the end of the year. I like it, it's if, if she is just a matter of health for her, for her. It, I still fully believe if she is able to stay healthy and compete consistently this year, like this might be the year we finally see it happen. Um, maybe that's foolish. Maybe that's silly to say, uh, considering her history and just the fact that we haven't seen her be able to consistently compete for so long. But man, I'm if if we can get a healthy complete Tatiana Suarez back in here like this makes the women's divisions so like which are already right now like 125 is very interesting whether it's 125 or 115 whichever direction she wants to go it makes it so infinitely more compelling um just by injecting her into this mix because I think she could beat either champion if she's if she's right if she's on her best day she could just become champion in either division she wanted to right now that's how highly I think of her like we were calling Muniz Jacare 2.0 like Tatiana Suarez is Carla Esparza 4.0. Like she is just bringing a level of wrestling and, and ground and pound and just submission mastery to this division or grappling mastery to this divisions uh, that just does not exist right now. And I'm really excited for it. I hope, I hope this is the one. I hope this is the, the real time where we get her full, where we get her healthy and able to compete for it consistently. Chad, in a seven-day span, we could see Tatiana Suarez fight Jake Paul and Tommy Fury fight and John Jones freaking fight 2023. Just a wild year. Is it not Tatiana Suarez coming back? This is such a big, this is the most interesting storyline of the weekend. Is it not Suarez coming back? Like this is what most people are focused on. I think. It's a good question. I don't know. Uh, maybe I gotta say it's not that interesting to me. Uh, Largely because I have zero doubts that she's going to look just as good, if not much better than she did before. She's going to run right through Montana De La Rosa. And it's just going to be business. Like, we're just going to be right back. We're going to be – we we teleported. We all talk about how it, COVID feels like we lost a bunch of years and time just sort of moved quickly. And it feels like that. It's going to be like that. It's like, oh, yeah. Like, sure, she missed four years, but whatever. She's now the number three fighter in the world. And let's just run her into a title fight. It'll be great. Uh, so there's not a lot of intrigue for me here. I am, I guess, interested because I will also be interested to watch Tatiana Suarez uh, work. But look, she's a female Habib. Habib's one of my favorite fighters of all time. I love Tatiana Suarez. I love watching her fight. She's going to beat the hell out of this woman. It's going to be great. And uh, then it's on to getting the title. Let's go. Do we have a low-key banger here, Shaheen? Oh. Uh, I mean, that Ode Osborne-Charles Johnson fight looks pretty nice uh, on the prelims. Uh, if I have to pick one, I would say that. Um, also, the Mike Malott. Mike Malott's interesting, right? Like, I, I, I'm interested to see how far this guy can take it, and he has an interesting, he's a good backstory as well. So I'd say those two for me. Yeah, it's been a minute for him. Ten months. I think that Mickey Golf was the last time he fought, right? And he raised all that money. That Sounds was a right. pretty cool story. Sounds yeah, right. that, was, that does sound right, yeah. That was a minute. And Johan Lainez likes to throw bombs too. Canada versus Canada in that fight. Jed, what stands out to you that not a lot of people are talking about? Canada versus Canada. Uh, if we're just going for banger and entertainment, Eric Gonzalez, Trevor Peak. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever watched Trevor Peak fight. Um, I don't know that he's good. I have a sneaking suspicion that he's probably not. Uh, but man, he he's coming to fight. <laughs> that dude is is not here to get paid by the minute or to give a single f about anything. He is going to scrap his ass off for every minute that he possibly can. Uh, it's resulted in him having like 
six first round finishes and and then a second round or something like that the man's never seen the third round and if you watch any of his fights you can understand why almost immediately uh and i have no reason to believe that he will be anything different uh and eric gonzalez is probably just gonna get knocked out uh but either way he's going to have to fight his ass off because that's what trevor peak does yeah, I mean those are those are all the picks. Uh, I, I, am, <laughs> I am I am interested to see uh, how Jazza Jazavizius. Yeah, I mean those are all the picks. I have nothing more to add. Jazza Jazavizius <laughs> coming back. Uh, Gabrielle Fernandez is a really good fighter. She's been killing it over in LFA. Uh, she likes to in there and finish fights. And Jazza had a tough go in her last one, so curious to see how she bounces back. And if she wins, the way she will promote herself after the fact will be a lot of fun to watch because no one will promote Jasmine better than her. She's been killing it on the social media game lately and putting out some good content, but that's a tough fight for her. So we'll see. Uh, I guess, Casey, do we uh, want to take a couple of questions? We can take a couple. We have a, we have a little bit of time. Yeah, we, we do have another hard. preview show coming up immediately after this. Uh, talk about Jake Paul versus Tommy Fury. So stay tuned. Are we not going to talk? Are we not going to talk about the best fight this weekend? That's right. Yeah. We didn't talk about the Duff Man. It's back. Oh, I wasn't uh, even talking about I the Duff you, Man. No, I thought you were talking also, about Also, there is the Duff Man. <laughs> well, we got that. Uh, yeah, that's that's we got Bellator 291. Yeah. Bellator 291. I feel like we should at least talk about that. Yeah. Yaroslav Amazon. I'm no longer willing to say it's a better card, Casey. How about a better main card? I understand that it's different structures. You don't have to watch every When the UFC was rolling out 13 fights, I was willing to call Bellator the better card. Bellator has twice as many fights now. I'm not. It's tough, but it has the best fight of the weekend. Like bar none. Yeah, but that's got to be paced like a like a BKFC card to start. It's just got to be boom, 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 boom. Half these fights. Like, look at these fights. Look at the matchmaking. Look at the Irish fighters are fighting. It's for the most part, it's like minus 800 favorites. They're just going to go in there and crush in 90 seconds. And then by the time Thompson it's- and Amanda Guerra <laughs> finish talking, the two fighters for the next fight are already going to be in the cage getting announced by Michael C. Williams. So 18 fights are going to fly. 13 of them, yeah. if they do the pre- all of them on the prelims, they're just going to go boom, 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 boom. It's why, like, it's, if you're in the arena, they don't even do, the most transparent do walkouts. Garbage. I mean, the, just the, the the Irish crowd alone will make that yeah, the best yeah. experience of the weekend. For we're, sure. We're, as media members, we're not covering those early prelims for Bellator. They're, they're, it's, it's a different thing. It's just, it's for the, it's for the hometown kids, those type of fights. Uh, but. I mean, maybe there'll be a good, sick little finish. Like, I'm, I'm no, happy Norbert no, uh, Nemendi is coming back. Yeah. Uh, some good, there's some good solid fighters on it. Magomed Sharapov's back. Uh, Norbert Norvenyi Jr. is back, who hasn't fought in like three years, but he was one of the like the best up and, up and coming prospects in the sport when he before he got injured and COVID happened. So, yeah, I mean, they, there's there's some good little storylines on on the prelims. And also, how about um and and some squash matches? <laughs> yeah, oh, that'll be plenty of those. Probably we both just, of those fights that I just mentioned. Picks for 1FC, who's main event, John Lineker, Fabricio D'Andrade. Hopefully this goes clean. We don't have to feel pain watching a replay. Uh, who's got a pick here? Anyone picking John Lineker to get this done? Anyone picking Fabricio D'Andrade to get it done? I'd pick, I'd pick FDA. 
Just, Same. Uh, he was... He wasn't beating the hell out of him, but he was winning that fight before the low blow. Uh, and you can't ever count John Lineker out because that man is, is tougher than a $2 steak and he chucks hammers. But uh, right, we we saw this fight very recently, and even though the finish was odd, you know, we didn't get a, a definitive finish. feel like we could kind of extrapolate from that who the better fighter in that fight was. Yeah, I agree. I got Lineker all day. Uh, I love it. I hope fire, fire rib roasters. Yeah. Let's go. How mad is Jed that Darren Till is still 15th in the UFC's rankings? <laughs> uh, that says everything about middleweight. It, it really, I think it speaks more to Darren Till and his incredible ability to fail upwards. Just one of the most heroic upward failures of all time. Him and Kelvin Gastelum just doing it big. Yeah. When, who is he ever I don't, beaten? I don't know that you beaten? can throw Kelvin in that. I feel like Kelvin has the legendary fight with Izzy. That, that alone is like infinitely more than Darren Till has been able to put forward. He lost. He lost that fight. It was sure, a great fight. He was, lost. We were there. It was amazing. It was a great fight. We were there, Case. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. Who has he beaten other than blind, old Michael Bisping? Who has that man got a win over? Darren Till? <laughs> we, we, we talking about Kelvin Gaffson? No, we're talking, talking about, about Kelvin. Well, the question goes for either of them. Yeah. Darren, Till's, Darren Till's best win is old Donald Cerrone. I have said this on this program, on some programs here before. His best win is Donald Cerrone, which is just bad <laughs> yeah it's just not what you want but, that but to Darren, be your best win but darren Till is so good on the mic that's all that matters that's all that matters <laughs> in this sport yeah the whole fighting yeah, part is so like not important guys. you guys remember I don't know why darren till was gonna be a three-weight world champion <laughs> i remember pepperidge farm remembers when darren till's like i'm gonna win welterweight and middleweight and then i'm gonna win light heavyweight and his best win remains donald cerrone <laughs> he was the favorite in the woodley fight everyone was picking him i remember that it was and then he got killed <laughs> Wait, who, wait! Who won between Darren Till and Kelvin? I can't remember. They did, they haven't fought. Oh, they haven't fought. Oh, no, they did fight. No, they did fight. They no, did they did fight. fight. Kel- it was Darren's like Till Darren, won, didn't he? Oh, Till Till won like a bogus splitty. He won like a bad yeah. split decision over Kelvin Gastelum. That's right. I, yep, I was there for that. That was uh, it was, was a bad fight. fight, right? Was it a good fight? It was a fight. No, it was it was, it was a bad fight. fight. It was a fight. It, it was it was a fight. It, it was sure a fight. was. All right, okay. That was, was the co-main event of that card, wasn't it? Of 244? Before the BMF title fight? I think that was the co-main event. Oh, jeez. Good God. Yikes. What a, what a dumpster fire of a... Yes, of it was. Yes, it was. <laughs> Man, that was, that's a hell of a card looking back on it. You've got Derek Lewis, Blagoya, Vinoff on that on the main card. Also another split. Steven Thompson, Vicente Luque. That was, that was a good fight. That fight was fun. That was Steven okay. just kind of outclassing Luke, though. I don't remember if it was fun or not. It's still it's it's fun to watch Steven Thompson be good when people aren't like just tackling him to the floor and beating the hell out of him. Okay, I, okay, I, okay. This is why people like Darren Till because like we don't remember the actual fight, but like we remember the theatrics around to get to the fight. It's just yep. a weird 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, on both day. sides. A- on both sides. Yeah. Remember the the Kelvin Gastelum weigh in with the towel. Oh, the, 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 he, when he put there? the he put the elbow on um, Cordero. Yeah, the elbow. Yeah, that's what it was. That's yeah, what it was. He, yeah, he got away with one. That was good. I don't remember that at all. Yeah, it, he well, did. Good uh, for you. Yeah. <laughs> I was there for the weigh-in, and I took a picture. I didn't even realize it until I posted on social media, and everyone like retweeted. I'm like, "Why is this one random photo getting so much play?" And then it just—I took like the perfect photo at the perfect time, with like the correct angle, which never happens to me ever with anything. And I was like, "Oh, this is pretty strange and interesting." So, yeah, that was a weird fight. Until did land on Friday in fights. He did a he did a media scrum like right after the weigh-ins, like the yeah. the ceremonial weigh-ins. And I'm still waiting for the Mark Kerr movie. Rock, what's going on here? Because you announced that that day too. Oh yeah, he, he did oh, the whole thing. I remember Can that. That was that, whole, is it in production? Not, How far? You've not heard a crowd go more mild than that crowd. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> what there were like three people there that knew who Mark Kerr were. <laughs> But he did the whole "Can you smell what I'm cooking?" thing or whatever he does. Oh, Man, what's, yeah. And then, Can you well, smell what I'm cooking? <laughs> what is the line? I don't know. If you smell what the rock is eating, grab the mic. That should be the line. Yeah, that was. Can you smell what I'm cooking? Oh man. Um, yeah, I think we're done. Do you have anything yes. else? Um, yeah, I mean, we can't top that. Can <laughs> you smell what I'm cooking? Do we take a single question about the car? We took a what FC no. question, and then Darren Till's rank are, being ranked number fifty. Are there questions about the car? Uh, can we I mean, talk we about Todd Duffy? It. I mean, Todd Duffy is fighting Phil DeFreeze this week. I mean, Could a title shot, title eliminator be on the line for the winner of this main event? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, ranking wise, yes. There'll be one right. fight away, probably. I wouldn't bet on it, but I think a title elimin a title shot, no. But title eliminator, like if Ryan Span just obliterates Nikita Krylov yeah. and then calls out Ankalaev or Blahovich for a title eliminator, like that's that's legit from the ranking standpoint. It will be legit. And like, who else are they running out there? Like, it's we're probably gonna wait for Yuri and Jamal for I don't know August or something. Then you got to get next man up. So. I mean, that Johnny Walker fight, too, with Anthony. Yeah. I, I just think it's what a great world this will be if somehow we have Jamal Hill in the main event against Ryan Spann for the title. Just, like, <laughs> be incredible. A fight that would have been an apex fight, like, three months yeah, ago. Yeah, that's, that, that's, like, a like a couple years ago. That's, like, maybe the first fight on a apex. Not first fight on the, the main card or something, but, yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah, some tight questions. The oh, Duff yeah. Man? <laughs> The Duff Man. The Duff, the, Duff? The, the Duff Man, Shaheen. Wax poetically about the re, the long-awaited return of, of Todd Duffy, who, by the way, could find himself ranked on the MA Fighting no. World rankings. No, no. Zero, zero percent chance. <laughs> Isn't Phil DeFreeze ranked in our rankings? I think he's, he's like number of I think, he's a number of I think he's I a think, far. I think I am the one keeping him as a far because I definitely have him ranked. I think he's in mine, too. Yeah. I think he might be oh, 15 you, for like a few people. You, but he's you not have him 15, I have him 14, and Casey has him also in 15. Oh, no, Mike, you have him at 13. Uh, <laughs> AK has him at 15. So he's got enough to be there at the back end of the rankings. This is one of those scenarios. If Todd Duffy wins, uh, then KSW won't have any ranked fighters is what will happen. <laughs> 
Uh, and the legendary title point. reign of Phil DeFreeze. How's it? How long has this man been the KSW heavyweight champ at this point? A thousand right? years. <laughs> He's got to be on like eight title defenses. Uh, uh, hold on, I'll count this up. But it's it's April it's of two thousand eight. One in eighteen. Yeah. And he's been very active. Seven, seven title defenses. Look at that. This will be his eighth. We're, Todd Duffy going for history, gentlemen. <laughs> history. This is. You could have guessed that he's been here, like the champ for a while, if you just know anything about the sport. Because this is what happens when you have a guy who's beaten everybody. It's just like you drag up dudes he's lost to a hundred years ago, and it's like, <laughs> all right, you remember when Chuck Liddell got to fight? Um, hey, man. This is his. This is Phil DeFreeze, yeah. Alex Pereira arc. This is what. This yeah, is. this is. Yeah, it's just, it's just absolute nonsense. Of, uh, we don't really have anybody else for him to fight. So uh, let's drag old Todd Duffy out of here. Oh, yeah. dude, Todd Duffy gonna look great. Out. Gonna look, calls out uh, John Volante. We can we can redo this whole thing that should have happened for. Oh, John Volante's coming out of retirement too. Okay, hey, yes, that's the matchup. That's the dream fight. That's the dream fight. And, if he and wins. then after that, who comes out? The cop dude, who's a, uh, the, the guy that knocked out Duffy, was it? The cop? Dan McGee? No. Oh, wait, the, no that's not. Oh. The, what was that guy's name? Who's the cop who knocked out Todd Duffy? Was he a cop? The, 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 Mike, the, the Mike Park Russo? reporter. Mike Russo. Mike yeah, Russo. Mike yeah. Russo. That was it. Before, the, before oh, we have man, I forgot about Mike Russo. Can we do a damn on Mike Russo? <laughs> was that the was that the doink? Was that the yeah. doink knockout? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Point. Yeah. It's oh man, Todd Duffy is responsible for maybe like the third or fourth best photo in MMA history. Him him throwing that punch against Frank Mir. Where his his arm he's throwing a right hook and his arm is literally just this way and his left is yeah, over here and he's just diving at Frank Mir. It's one of my favorite photos. It's like Randall Plex photo, Todd Duffy. Just the funniest thing I've ever seen. That Frank Mir fight, that's like you will not find a more special seventy three seconds. Like that is oh just such God. A, that is a real piece of MMA art forever, you know? Like hang that in hang that in the Louvre. Like that's just tremendous. That was like if a random I, like that was like a random like Wednesday or Thursday night, card, wasn't it? San Diego, I think. Yeah, it was like that day. Yeah, yeah, it was a Wednesday night. Wednesday night. That fight was insane. Oh, God. Absolutely insane. <laughs> Josh Thompson, Tony Ferguson was the main event, co-main event, and Holly Holm, Marion Renault. Was that Holly Holm's first fight on that card? No, her fight? second fight. That was her second fight because she fought Pennington in her first fight. That's right? right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Oh man! Who knows what the these glory days of Tony go. Ferguson? The glory days yes. of Tony Ferguson. What a wonderful time that oh, was! Oh, we had to bring up Tony Ferguson. Huh? <laughs> uh, amen. He annihilated Josh Thompson. That was nasty. Yeah. All right. I, I wish I could good. put this photo um, in the in the YouTube chat so people could see it in case they haven't. God, it's the best. The photo <laughs> of Todd Duffy. I put it oh. in our Slack. <laughs> It's, I'm sure if you Google the best, Todd Duffy, Frank the best freaking photo. It's the best freaking photo of all time. Oh my god! You know what? I haven't you seen know, that photo in a while. I mean, it's a professional it fighter. Oh my god! <laughs> it's incredible. Is that something? Is that the You'd punch be, that led to the knockout? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, right. yeah, he gets yeah, knocked yeah. out two seconds later. If you can guess awesome. why, it's unbelievable. <laughs> Big giant meat club. Big meat club coming for your head. I guess oh, our, God, I love the yeah, Duff, Sometimes man. photos are deceiving, but that's how it looked. That's how it actually looked. It wasn't like this is a 
a weird no, yeah. moment. This is not an angle where yeah. it's like it's he he is doing exactly what you think he's doing. Did Todd Duffy's career is that did it end up being a disappointment? Did it overplay what we thought, or did it end up just being exactly what it should have? So it it was definitely exactly what it should have been, but it wasn't right, disappointment. That's what I feel because, like. Well, because we were all idiots and we just saw this guy who looked great getting off the bus and we were just like, oh, here's the – this was also the the real thin days at heavyweight when it was like Kane and that was it. There's just – nobody was good. It's just like, okay, young guy getting off the bus, blowing the doors off Tim Haig. All right. Seven let's, seconds, baby. Seven yeah, seconds. like the, the seven-second right. KO, this, this big, big dude. And then immediately we're like, oh, actually, no, this fat cop is going to knock him out. <laughs> On that note. <laughs> what a show. This might be the Shouts most random to Mike preview Russo. show. Yeah. This is the most random preview show of all time. We went all over the place. We talked the fights. But KSW Todd Duffy is going to be could be a really fun chapter in his biography down the road. So. Do you think there's a market for a where are they now on Mike Russo? Because now I really want yeah, to find out. I, I, I was going to say, yes. LA Shaheen is working on a little retrospective video on Mike Russo. I'm, I'm down. I'll start He's definitely just a cop in Chicago. Also, I just learned this now. I guarantee you, you guys did not know this. Mike Russo fought in pride. No, he did not. Yes, did he not did. No, oh, he nobody knew it. In Japan, he fought Pride. Fought or pride. In pride. What the Pride hell? 23 this is the Vegas one. Oh, the Vegas Yeah, that was one. the right, name well. of Diaz Gomez fight. Yeah. Oh, I just pulled up I just pulled up his thing and like in the top of his Wikipedia it's like fought in prize. Like that that's a lie. That cannot be true. <laughs> oh my god. Oh man. What a well, run here. Frank Trigg, Mizaki, Karatanov, Russo, and then you got Sokachu, Shogun, Nick Diaz, Hendo. God, what a card. All right, guys. All in, all in. All right, we are done. Uh, stick around. <laughs> New link. Hit your mic. <laughs> Jake Paul, Tommy Ferry preview show coming up next. Thank you. I'm having a great time, guys. <laughs> You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? 
Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts.